Hello, everyone, and welcome to our daily roundup. Very happy to have you here. I'll be your host for the day. Adam Sos, very happy to be joined by the crown jewel of the Rebel Fleet, Sheila Gunreed. Sheila, how are you doing today? You know, that's almost better than a David Menzies introduction. I'm doing great. I just uh, <laughs> I just came back from the Rebel News billboard um, because it's uh, changing it, or it has changed. So um, I was out on the side of Highway 2 um, as snow is beginning to fall um, and as cars were racing by um, because we have a bit of an announcement there so people can stay tuned. Uh, that's one of the funnest things that we do is put up that fun billboard, but, um, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm happy for somebody else to be in charge of the show today because <laughs> I am ill prepared. I literally just walked in the door. That's perfect. No, you're, you're hard. You're hard at work, not ill prepared. You're well prepared because <laughs> you have me here prepared. So that's all you need to do. Easy as that. Before we get into some of the stories of the day, uh, I do want to talk about something else that's happening today, plus some nuts and bolts. Let's do the nuts and bolts first. Uh, if you're watching this, you're probably watching on Rumble, Odyssey, Getter, or YouTube. Um, I would suggest, if at all possible, consider transitioning over to one of the platforms that doesn't really care about what people say. It's just wanting to provide people a venue to share their ideas. Rumble is a great platform for that, one of my personal favorites. And frankly, most people, I think, are starting to watch on Rumble now, which is great. Hopefully, YouTube takes note, changes some of their policies. But until then, Rumble all the way. Rumble is also fun because you can help keep this live stream going and also engage with us in a really fun way via Rumble Rants. You chip in a couple bucks, help us keep the lights on, uh, ensure that we can continue doing streams like this. Uh, but we also get to engage with you and have conversations. It's really one of the most fun parts of stream. Um, so looking forward to engaging with you in that way. You can also support us by joining on locals.com. You'll get access to all of our regular content plus some exclusive stuff, another way to help keep us telling the other side of the story. Um, there's the nuts and bolts out of the way. Most of you have probably heard that before. Um, something you probably haven't heard for, oh, let's say a year or so. Um, the UCP AGM is today. We've got stories from right across Canada, but I want to just start about the coverage that we're going to have. And for folks who don't know, uh, for or maybe have been to an AGM or think that's kind of boring behind the scenes politics, it doesn't really affect things. This is really where, especially when the party's in power and is, is quite popular and likely mm -hmm. to be in power, the policies that are formed at AGMs like this, this AGM to be very well attended, they sort of shape the identity of the party moving forward, which then shapes the identity of the province. So lots of what Daniel Smith has been saying or doing, lots of the Alberta First sort of mentality that we've been hearing, well, it really gets put to the test to see if the membership are on board with that, with the policies that we're going to be seeing coming up. Uh, they've, they've shattered fundraising records this quarter. I believe this is intended or planned to be one of the highest attended AGMs we've ever seen. So it, it's a big indicator. Now, attendance can mean that people are upset or that they're very happy, but I'd suggest the fundraising going along with that suggests there's a lot of support. Uh, but there's tons of policies, tons of interest. We're going to be on location at the BMO here in Calgary, our whole team, some folks are already there setting up. But Sheila, I just wanted to ask you, are there any sort of like, maybe if you have any comments on AGMs in general, but are there any sort of key policies that you think that people should be looking out for as they watch our coverage uh, of this AGM moving forward? You know, I, I think the things we need to keep an eye out for are the things that Saskatchewan is already doing and doing well and doing to the celebration of the residents of Saskatchewan, by and large, outside of the unions and the activists, but I'm probably repeating myself when I differentiate those two as separate groups. Um, so issues of parents' rights, 
um, Saskatchewan has been really leading the charge on this, uh, taking uh, the secrecy out of the education system, involving parents in all aspects of it, uh, carving out uh, gender theory out of the classroom, preventing kids from socially transitioning in school without the parents' knowledge or consent, and Mm -hmm. sort of rooting out the activism from the classroom, removing, you know, um, Planned Parenthood materials from the sex ed curriculum. You know, how did those sneak in there? Um, So I I, I think we, we would be wise to keep an eye out for those sort of policies passing um, Daniel Smith really hasn't done a lot of talking about this, but we know that this is a bread and butter issue for voters and and just Albertans in general, because this right. thing transcends uh, politics. Also, I think we should keep an eye out for any mention of uh, what the government would do or what the, the party rather should do with regard to protection of gun owners' rights from the federal government. Um, That was something that was missing from the speech from the throne, Um, but it is something that this government has been very strong on. And I think also um, another thing that the province is not just leading the way in the country on, but leading the world in is the Alberta model of uh, to our opioid addiction crisis. The Alberta model is a recovery-focused model and and uh, it's a people-centric, human-focused uh, model that is now saving lives, and it is being studied by some of the um, more drugged-plagued places of the world, like Seattle and Portland. Yeah, and especially with uh, Dan Williams bringing forward the Bill 3, which is accountability for uh, opioid producers, effectively, yeah. uh, it signals a, a, a significant shift and one that has been long overdue. Uh, whatever pharmaceuticals you're talking about, the, the notion that companies can produce something, make a profit from it, and, and a massive profit from it, and then have no accountability whatsoever is absurd. Um, so Alberta joining on with BC, and I believe one other province or territory, with a lawsuit against some of these pharmaceutical companies. Um, so you know, a strong just, indicator I, there. I don't want- I just want to interrupt you there for a second, because I think it's comical a little bit that the the government is considering going after opioid uh, manufacturers for the harm that they cause. But everyone's just like, what vaccine injuries? (laughs) We can't hold anybody accountable for those. I just I'm just like pick a lane. I think I think it's good if the opioids were falsely marketed to doctors or if doctors were incentivized to overprescribe and the drug companies knew it. Yeah. Hold their feet yeah. to the fire. I would love other pharmaceutical companies to be held responsible for their false claims. That's all. That's that's what I was subtly <laughs> hinting at, but we're on YouTube, so I didn't know. But yes, yeah, so that, that's kind that's kind of what I was going for with the pharmaceutical accountability. But yeah, so a, a, a definitive shift. But again, the policies laid out here, and there are some big ones about gender and language in school, like you talked about. Um, but lots of these things that have have seen Premier Smith become one of the more popular premiers in the country, they're going to be sort of put to the test by the membership. Um, and for folks who don't know, like the, the capacity to influence a party and to influence a politics, uh, winning an election takes a lot of votes, but getting a policy passed, that can be sort of the small grassroots level community activism. So on, on the left, you'll see that result in extreme sort of uh, progressive type ideas. Um, on, on the right, you can see the start of a pushback to those ideas. And that, that's really what I'm most interested in. Um, Sorry, before I'm also we move interested- ahead, I... 
Yeah. Before we move ahead, I just speaking of the policy introductions, and I'm sorry to interrupt because as as you know, I am ill prepared for the show today, but I just have <laughs> lots of thoughts. Um, yeah. I watched the NDP uh, AGM, their policy AGM, a couple weeks ago. Holy moly! Thank God those people are so kooky. They couldn't get any policy motions passed because they were too busy wasting time announcing their pronouns on the mic and then arguing over who gets to talk first and using this yellow card that every time somebody who was not gender diverse took to the mic, if you wanted to shut up ostensibly the white male who had something to say, you just Mm -hmm. invoked your yellow card. And then it was like they prioritized gender and diversity so that guy just had to leave the mic and then some cranky cat mom came on and she aired her grievances it was like left-wing festivus and they couldn't get anything done so i'm really excited to see how grown up a conservative policy convention is yeah we'll talk about the adults in the room that will certainly be interesting we've got (laughs) something for that later you know we we were originally going to uh get into some trudeau stuff right away but given that we're on this topic um, well, I think we'll do some Smith stuff, and then we'll we'll get into yeah. Trudeau stuff. And not yeah, necessarily just Smith stuff, but some some uh, carbon tax stuff. The other thing that I did want to talk about, though, then that I'm looking forward to, and I'm going to be asking a lot of people about it, um, is if truly we've heard a lot of sort of Alberta first language, um, but just how much of that I'm going to be talking to basically everyone that you've mentioned. I've either secured or I'm working on interviews with on all of these topics that we discussed. But I'm going to be asking all of them um, about this sort of sentiment of if Alberta's really being put first. Um, we've heard past leadership talk about we're not caving to Ottawa um, and then they cave to Ottawa. Um, so I, I'm going to be talking to people about if things have really changed and why people can trust that. Lots of people are disenfranchised because of the thing we're not to mention on YouTube and the response in Jason Kenney's leadership that they cannot trust this party despite the good things that are happening or maybe they're starting to come around to trusting uh, the United Conservative Party. So I want to ask a lot of these politicians about that. If it is indeed different, if in Alberta is indeed being put first, um, I'm hopeful it is. But again, lots of people were excited and had that positive energy with Jason Kenney and we saw how that went. So I, I'm looking forward to asking people, people about why it will be different this time around or if it will be different this time around. Uh, on that note, um, as a bit of testimony, because it's, it's, it's one thing to talk, it's another thing to uh, put into practice. Let's jump to this video of Danielle Smith um, talking about this carbon tax carve out for the Atlantic Canada um, and, and whether it's fair that Albertans should pay it while everyone else gets a break. Let's jump to that now. If you're going to have a federal government asserting that they have to have this power so everybody is treated equally and then they don't treat everyone equally, it seems to me that that's something we should go back to the court and ask them whether or not uh, they want to reconsider whether the, this is a, an appropriate use of the federal powers. I would rather this have a political solution. I would rather the federal government accept that if this is a painful tax going into winter for Atlantic Canadians, it's a painful tax going into the winter for everyone. And just make sure that he does the right thing and takes the tax off for all types of home heating in every province. Mo acknowledged that what he was doing probably wasn't in keeping with the law. He acknowledged that. Um, I watched his three-minute video, and he said he wouldn't normally feel like he was pressed to do that because we do have a Supreme Court decision that does give the federal government the power to set a, um, a federal carbon price. 
And um, it's the federal government, I think, who's not living up to the spirit of what they said to do. And I, I just, I wouldn't ask our, our private sector operators to be in a position where I'm asking them to be out of compliance with the law. I would just prefer for the federal government to do the right thing. The federal government has to create tax fairness. They have to, they have to put a reprieve on the carbon tax, on all home heating in all provinces, on all sources of heating. Otherwise, you're, you're going to see the, these kinds of actions taken by the provinces who can. And we're, we're all Canadian. We're all suffering from the, uh, the same acceleration in the costs, the same pressures during winter. And so I, I hope that the prime minister does the right thing. And if he was prepared to give an exemption on one type of home heating oil that benefited one region of the country, he should, he should give it to everyone. With us in industry to reduce emissions in a different way and transition to different fuels, because it's not the choice of Alberta um, citizens. I mean, that's the, that's the only option they really have is home heating by natural gas. It's just getting increasingly punitive. So I would hope that the prime minister would do the right thing and acknowledge that rather than allow for uh, these pockets of inequality to 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 uh, crop up all over the all over the country. You know, I, I remember when we were told that the uh, the carbon tax wasn't going to affect anybody. Those people who are on the fringes or maybe middle class trying to emerge who are struggling. Um, I remember when we were told that that would help the people who are struggling and not adversely You'd affect get them. More. Then <laughs> you'd get more in Justin Trudeau's Ponzi scheme. <laughs> we we absolutely have to shift. The, like there's just a disconnect. He's like, we have to drop this in order to make life more affordable. No, but you told us, and now they're saying, oh, vote for liberals if you want representation for us to give you reprieve from the thing that we've put in place that we swore wouldn't harm you. The the cognitive disconnect is there. And it's undeniable. And some folks in our Slack here are commenting, our internal communications, that it, why are we just talking? There's a sort of moving of the goalposts. We're exclusively talking about reducing the carbon tax on home heating. Um, no, get tax the carbon tax, period. Like, just get rid of it. And I don't want the conservative talking point. I don't want them to move with the trend and say, yeah, we're, we're, we're just talking about the carbon tax on essentials. No, I want the carbon tax gone on everything. We've seen officials saying inflation will plummet if the carbon tax is gone. Affordability yeah. will go up categorically. Home prices will drop. So many solutions are resolved just by dropping this. And I think they are trying to move the goalposts towards, oh, just on critical things. No, get rid of it on everything. We watched this clip actually from Daniel Smith two days ago. So I aired my grievances then. Um, but the idea that there's this special carve out for Atlantic Canada comes directly from the fact that there are liberal MPs from Atlantic Canada who are very worried about losing their seats. Um, and they have actually come out against the hike in the carbon tax. So um, this is purely a political thing. It has nothing to do with, as the liberals say, doing our part in fighting climate change because the bunker fuel adjacent home heating oil that they use in Atlantic Canada is quite high in emissions as opposed to clean burning natural gas. And yet the tax remains on natural gas because the liberals stand to lose nothing by keeping this punitive tax in place for Western candidates. It's blue out here. It's basically a blue sweep, except for a, a couple of dots of red caused by the vote split and um, like one NDP riding. They stand to lose nothing out here. And I should note, I don't know if we were able to dig it up. My good buddy, 
Chris Sims from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation actually pointed out that it is Westerners who still, regardless of whether it's the, I call it the bunker fuel adjacent home heating oil, because it really is not very clean at all. If you care about those things, I really don't, but the liberals tell me they do. Um, It's Westerners who heat their home with natural gas that still pay more of the tax. And as Tiff Macklin pointed out, uh, head of the Bank of Canada pointed out that this is causing a 16% uh, inflationary issue. Um, for yeah. all Canadians across the board. So yeah, uh, Chris Sims, we'll go to her tweet if you wouldn't mind. She lays it out. So uh, the average cost on home heating fuel, if we can show this tweet, Efron dug it up, Olivia. Perfect. So Chris Sims from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, uh, born again Albertan, and boy, we're glad to have her. Um Average carbon tax cost on home heating fuel for Canadian homes. Atlantic Canada relies heavily on furnace oil. Most homes in Ontario and the West use natural gas. So carbon tax on furnace oil, uh, $272. Natural gas, 286 So actually, we're getting the raw end of the deal. And propane is 280 So um, they're exempting the dirtier version. Again, their, their term's not mine. I, I think fossil fuels are lovely, <laughs> regardless yeah. of how you get them. Um, yeah. But if, if you care about emissions, they're actually exempting the uh, the dirtier fuel. Yeah. And and we are actually being hit harder by the carbon tax than those in Atlantic Canada anyway. Absolutely. And, and, the, the, and it's not a surprise. Like one of my questions that I have scripted out for uh, for someone who I'm not going to say because I want it to be a bit of a surprise for them. But uh, is this is it's not really about climate. It never has been. It's it's it a tax redistribution screen. St- uh, scheme it's a control mechanism but listen like we're literally you they give breaks to china they give breaks yeah. to uh dirtier burning fuels uh, they'll give breaks to everyone under the sun Cut, uh, cities can dump sewer waste straight into the oceans that's absolutely fine this is lit- exclusively just anti-western anti-albertan that's all that's all it is yeah. it's intended to punish and control and the, the liberal party has absolutely zero interest they know they don't need western canada to win um they would punish and and beat and abuse western canada to secure votes yeah. in the east they really don't care about us at all um it, it's it's uh, yeah justin trudeau doesn't care about western people uh let's move ahead to is it a daniel smith tweet yes a tweet yes um yeah. she says uh, buckle up, uh, because despite the liberal attacks on the West, this yeah. still remains the best place in the this country mm-hmm. to achieve your goals of financial sustainability and living the Canadian dream of possibly owning a house and having children and maybe even taking a vacation all at once one day, which is so out of touch, out of reach for young people in so many parts of this country. Uh, She says, buckle up, low taxes, good policy, and the best workers in the world are projected to move to Alberta into positive economic territory we've never seen before. So Alberta's monthly GDP recovered to its all-time high. So uh, we left the NDP in the dust in, I think it was 2019. 2019 yeah 2019 and it has taken us four full years to, to undo what they've done to just get back to sort of where we were and uh despite the liberals attacks on us we're booming think about how we could be booming if we were just allowed to do what we do best and that is to sustainably produce cheap reliable affordable fossil fuels for not just the rest of the country but the rest of the world imagine if our 
if, as Pierre Polyev says, the gatekeepers were removed from the way of Alberta. And, you know, the thing that's really amazing to me is very often, and I mean, people do this on both sides, but um, the, there are ebbs and, and flows within economies and you can't attribute all the success or fault failings to governments. But you can just look when the NDP is in, business goes down, people leave the provinces, head offices close. Uh, when we have an Alberta first minded government that's supporting industries um, and, and taking a sort of practical approach to these things, uh, contributing and supporting industries that actually create growth, this is what happens. And, and it's, it's, there are ebbs and flows and you can watch that, but you can also see the impact that the government has. I um, mean, it is hard to deny that this uh, impact is contributing at least in some ways to a uh, business coming in to people making more money to people keeping more money in their pockets and it goes beyond the carbon tax it's 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 every facet of life absolutely um by juxtaposition and uh, the adults in the room quote unquote uh, ndp will back conservative motion to exempt carbon tax from all home heating uh we're now jumping to the federal situation but i do want to talk briefly and i think you guys talked about this the other day you probably saw rachel notley um, stating like, oh, this needs to be for everybody, everybody needs a break. And then when the Conservatives, the UCP, brought that motion forward, they voted no. That's It's wild. At least the federal Conservatives have some variance of sense to them. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, the other day, Rachel Notley sort of tweeted out that it was unfair to give a carve out to Atlantic Canada while not giving one to Alberta. But she didn't mean remove the tax on Alberta with regard to the carbon tax. She, yeah. I think, given what happened on Motion 8 the other day, uh, what she thought it was unfair uh, to remove the, the tax on, <laughs> on Atlantic Canada that they should keep the carbon tax across the board. Uh, she wasn't clear in her tweets. We were like, oh, wow, the NDP came to their senses very briefly, mm. despite the fact that they imposed this carbon tax on us in 2015 before yeah. Justin Trudeau did. I was like, whoa, did she just have a come to Jesus moment? Definitely not. She wanted the carbon tax kept as blanket across the board. And you know how we know that? Um, motion 8 was uh, introduced in the Alberta legislature. And it was... Uh, a motion to condemn Justin Trudeau's mistreatment of Alberta and his carbon tax that's late, making life harder and more expensive for families. And the NDP, okay, so the motion passed the legislature because the UCP hold majority, thank God. Um, so with the support of 46 United Conservative MLAs and one independent MLA, I'm going to guess that was Drew Barnes. And 26 NDP MLAs voted against Motion 8, while NDP leader Rachel Nolly abstained from voting altogether. Shane Getson, one of the MLAs that I like, uh, said the NDP's actions in the legislature Tuesday serve as proof point why they lost the election and why Albertans still don't trust them. This is absolutely true. How could the NDP, honestly, how could they vote to condemn Justin Trudeau's carbon tax when they themselves When's first imposed tax? a carbon tax in 2015. Yeah. Uh, they did it before Justin Trudeau. So how could they say, how could they yeah. actually admit that they got it wrong? Because what, I mean, it would be magical thinking to think Justin Trudeau's carbon tax is punishing Alberta and driving up the cost of everything and chasing business away. But ours definitely, definitely didn't do that. Yeah. 
it's well they and you know what's wild though you really think about this by contrast to even the very far left federal uh, NDP who we now see are going to back the conservatives which is a a massive shift but shocked the, the the Alberta NDP, I mean, like Jagmeet Singh will say lots of the right things on Twitter and criticize Trudeau, but he's the one ramping them up. So this is a massive shift. But the, the Alberta NDP really is like the, the uh, we just saw a, a recent election with a uh, provincial election, Manitoba, um, with, with them electing a, an NDP government. And don't get me wrong, they're to the left, but they're moderates compared to the federal liberals. And the federal liberals are moderates compared to the Alberta NDP or uh, federal NDP. And the federal NDP are moderates compared to Alberta's NDP. Like we have such an extremely aggressive, all over far the left, place. unilateral. Yeah. yeah, they're they're in their own, they're in a league of their own, it seems, as far as radical progressivism. Yeah, you know, I remember um, when Wab Canoe, uh, NDP premier now of Manitoba, I can't even believe I'm saying that because his yeah. past is very. Um, yeah. Normally, normally politicians speckled. become criminals. This time criminals became politicians. You know what? And uh, I'm Catholic. I believe in redemption stories. Everybody yeah. has their salt and Paul moment, hopefully. Um, but he was not known as an NDP moderate except when he became the premier. And then he basically said, your past does not define you. You can make, you can work hard and make good choices and you may one day be premier. And I was like, holy yeah. heck, uh, what just came out of that NDPers mouth that yeah. you have to take personal responsibility and work hard. Um, but um, he actually has a more re reasonable approach. And I can't believe I'm saying this than the federal liberals. Wab Canoe yeah. is yeah. more reasonable than Justin Trudeau. I'm going to get struck by lightning if I go outside. Is that not a sh an indication of the shift where you basically have the federal liberals and the Alberta NDP in la-la land trying to do as much damage as they possibly can, where everyone else is shifting towards reasonability and, and smaller government and personal uh, personal accountability? Um, it is it is overdue, but it is certainly a welcome shift. Listen, let's do two, uh, two chats now. We'll interact with them as they sort yeah. of come in. Um, and then we'll uh, jump to a commercial break here. Fraser McBurney, I almost, when I was talking about Rumble Rants, said, Fraser, I need a caps lock uh, and there conversation was. here. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, and this this, this will be, uh, this. The, 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 I'll get your opinion on this as well, Sheila. Uh, the Arabs living on the Gaza Strip voted for Hamas. Trudeau wants to yep. bring Hamas in, uh, supporters into Canada. What do you say? Uh, DeportHamas.com or .ca. That's what we say. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I... To be fair, though, I do want to point out that lots of people there are suffering immensely at the. In fact, yeah, everyone there is suffering immensely at the hands of Hamas. So not everyone there wants them. The idea that there are fair elections being conducted by Hamas is ridiculous. Um, that is a brutal regime that are punishing their people. Um, not even their people, but the people that they sort of control. So, uh, but absolutely not. If there are people who are sympathetic to a terrorist organization, you can be sympathetic to the people of Palestine and what they're going through. Um, but you can not be sympathetic to people who are sympathetic with Hamas. Uh, categorically, you know, they're a terrorist organization. There's nothing there's nothing to sympathize with there, and they, sh they shouldn't be coming in. They're so contrary to the values of Canada. Here's the problem with all of this, and, and I saw the Israeli government let go that little thought bubble that maybe Canada will take them all, um, because that's what we do around here, I guess. But this worries me because I did a series of exposés through access to information about just the absolute lack of vetting of the Syrian refugees that yeah. came here. 
And um, it, it was a big problem, you know, like how they were able to walk into UN agencies and say, oh, because you could be prioritized as a family unit. So two guys would walk in there and say, we're a family. <laughs> and Canada would be like, oh, two fighting age young men malingering their way through the system. We'll mm-hmm. take them. <laughs> yeah. We've got them. Um, so I, my solution to this whole thing is do not give money to the United Nations for refugee aid. They are not good at delivering it. I've been to a UN refugee camp. It's terrible. What we should be doing is giving money to uh, Egypt and Jordan directly to their governments. Uh, King Abdullah II in Jordan is very Western. The majority of Palestinians are ethnic Jordanians anyway. Um, so, it, and when Israel was created, the two-state solution was Israel and Jordan. And so if these refugees, these civilians need to be resettled somewhere, wouldn't it make sense to keep them in the region where they are um, ethnically compatible, culturally compatible, speak the language, um, religious, all they need is there. We just have to make sure that the countries in the region have the resources for that. But on the issue of how we're treating the civilians of Gaza versus how we're treating the civilians of, of a very recent other war, um, I don't see a lot of people rallying in support of Russian civilians. I didn't see the city of Edmonton putting the Russian flag on the bridge, the high-level bridge, the way they did for Gaza civilians. For some reason, we have been completely unable to recognize that there are civilians in other conflicts, um, but the, uh, the Palestinian movement the Gaza movement is very good at putting their civilians front and center. Um, Hamas is really and, good at that too. Yeah, Hamas is really good at that. They put the civilians front and center in front of the weapons caches. Um, yeah. But, you know, like when I saw the high level bridge in Edmonton, the week before it was lit up in blue and white for Israel, I was like, great, they're the victims here. And then a week later, it's lit up for mm-hmm. three days in the flag of uh, Gaza. And I'm like, well, Okay, fine. We care about civilians now. Okay, why didn't you do the same for Russia? Because it was lit up yellow and blue for um, Ukrainian civilians. All right, we care about civilians. Where was the Russian civilians? Even though Russia was the aggressor. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, I took Hamas was the you, aggressor. <laughs> Hamas was the aggressor. Um, and we still recognize that there are civilians on the other side. We didn't do the same for Russia. So, um, I, yeah, there's better photos in my Dropbox, uh, Olivia or Efron, um, of because I went down there. I was like, really? Are we doing this? And then it struck me. I'm like, we didn't do this for Russia. We don't actually do this for any other side of a conflict. Yeah. For the aggressors, civilians. We just don't do that, except this time. Yeah. Yeah, well, because the, the the whole sentiment of defending yourself and, and sticking up for yourself is not a good thing. In, 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 not a thing. Well, it's a good in concept, but in, and then the amount of like people who are and I I I, I lean towards de-escalation for more. I'm hoping that there's that Hamas can be uh, sorted out pretty quickly and there can be some return to some semblance of uh, peace within the region. The whatever the closest version of peace that we can we can have is. But so many people are saying, you know what, Israel has a right to defend herself, but uh, just stop defending yourself. 
it's like, well, yeah. a right to do something doesn't mean anything if you can't actually do it. Um, and, there and are yeah, still the, the, 200 hostages. Like everybody yeah. keeps talking about a ceasefire. And I'm like, there are hostages. You just want to abandon yeah. these hostages, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. hideous. It certainly is. Yeah, a, a troubling situation. Incredible. Uh, I mean, Ezra has been covering this like nobody else. I think Avi was down there uh, covering it on the front lines. It was good to sort of get that frontline sort of response on this. And they can obviously speak to it, having been there. Our, our whole team, in fact, a lot of our team was recently in Israel and, and saw some of these places firsthand. Truly a, a horrific situation. But yeah, the, the sort of balanced response to a brutal, horrific terrorist attack and then a response is... Uh, it's troubling, and and, and uh, most politicians, even Trudeau, was despite what he said since, um, had the sort of clearness of mind to come out and, and condemn it categorically. Uh, the mayor of Edmonton, not so bold right off the bat. So, ah, it's uh, it's a situation we'll be covering closely, certainly. Um, and in response, uh, another situation or a couple situations that we're watching closely. Uh, Bedrock gives five dollars and says, "What's going on with the court cases of?" Uh, uh, Leach and Barber and Amy Ham. Um, we've got uh, Drea is covering Amy Ham presently, I believe. Um, and yes, then uh, yeah. Mr. Krejcik is still all over the Leach and Barber trials, I believe. So you're going to have updates yes. on those uh, as soon as every, they become available. Every day um, of trial, there are live tweets coming out. You can find them on uh, the Rebel News X account. Um, we yeah. also compile those tweets into articles on rebelnews.com. Uh, Robert gives a full video update, usually interviews with lawyers and key players to break down what happened in court because you cannot record in court and there are no video cameras in court. Um, and you can see all of those at TamaraTrial.com. And yeah, Drea is live tweeting on X those uh, Amy Ham, the Amy Ham witch trial. Um, and she does a written, there's also a written article compiled every day that she has been subjected to the quasi-judicial review hearing against her um and those are all on rebelnews.com also awesome on that note let's jump to a commercial break when we come back we've got lots of federal politics coming at you yeah. come on out november 25th it's all aboard the freedom train in niagara on the lake you can check rebel news for updates and also the freedom passport site Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers' Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists. Like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus New World Sun, just off a European tour. And the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the freedom train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Do you want to start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company Spike Support Formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you know what. Go to twc.health rebel today.
David Menzies for Rebel News here in downtown Toronto. And I got to tell you folks, next March, March 23rd to 30th to be precise, we are going on a Caribbean cruise. Can you imagine that? And a lot of your favorite Rebels will be there, such as Sheila Gunn-Reeds. We got Alexa Lavoie, the big boss man himself. Of course, he'll be there, Ezra Levant. And how about this? How about this for the cherry on the Sunday? Tamara Leach, Canada's number one freedom fighter. She'll be on that boat too. And look at the itinerary. We're going to be going to Half Moon Cay in the Bahamas, and then we're going to jazz it up in Oco Rios, Jamaica. And then there's Georgetown in the Cayman Islands. And finally, Cozumel, Mexico. Can you imagine that? If you want more details in terms of getting aboard the ship, go to rebelnewscruise.com. That's rebelnewscruise.com. All the details are there, the departure dates, the costs. And you know what? This is not just a fun-filled getaway. This is a way in which Rebel News raises some revenue. Unlike the mainstream media, we don't receive a nickel of government funding, nor would we take it if ever offered. So it's win-win. Enjoy yourself in the Caribbean and Mexico, and also support your favorite online news channel. So that's rebelnewscruise.com. I hope to see you aboard. Oh, that's going to be right. fun. I'm Color me jelly. You guys are going to have a blast. Uh, people sign up for that. That's like a once in a lifetime, maybe once in every couple decades. Who knows when they shut everything down again or try to. Yeah. I don't think people will go along with it. But uh, listen, I'm not the type to feel particularly bad for Justin Trudeau ever. Don't get me wrong. The guy, <laughs> I mean, he, he was sort of groomed from childhood for this. There's some sympathy there. But if there's ever a clip, that's going to make me feel a little bit bad. For Justin Trudeau, just look how heartbroken he is when he hears the message from his dad's former chief of staff and a, li a liberal sort of senator. Um, let's jump to this clip of Justin Trudeau responding to Canadian Senator Percy Downs' suggestion that he's it's probably time he steps down. In an op-ed, he's calling on him to step down Sorry, for that? Senator Down, a former Former Percy staff down? for Jean-Pierre oh, Percy. Percy oh, yeah. Down. How's he yeah. doing? <laughs> oh well. Let's say this. I I uh, wish him all the best in the work that he's doing. Merci beaucoup, tout le monde. Oh man, he looks. He, he looks like he ran away and cried. He's like, oh my gosh, oh. Percy, how's he doing? He's like, he, he says you're done. Oh man, yeah. that reaction is. Uh... It's... Can we watch it one more time? <laughs> Just one more. In, a, in an op-ed, he's calling on him to step down Sorry, for that? Senator Down, a former li a former Percy staffer down? for Jean oh, Percy. Percy oh, yeah. Down. How's he yeah. doing? <laughs> oh wow! Let's say this. I I uh, wish him all the best in the work that he's doing. Merci beaucoup, tout le monde. Oh wow! <laughs> Who? Oh Percy! Percy! Oh, How's he doing? Percy! Oh my God! He hates you. <laughs> He said, "Probably time to pack pack a lunch." Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, on. I don't, I, I don't feel bad for Justin Trudeau. I could no, I... watch that clip, I don't know, twenty times today, and it still wouldn't be enough because yeah. it's, I, I mean, his brain isn't working properly. Like Justin Trudeau can't even think about how to appropriately respond to a friend and ally telling you, "Uh, buddy." time to get to step in he does he doesn't even know how to react to that and and say you know like you know i'm hearing from other parts of the caucus that they appreciate the work that we're doing together as a party to move this country forward 
he doesn't even say that. He's like, I wish him the best. I wish him well. Yeah. I wish him luck. Yeah. He should he should have pulled out an apple and had a bite and said, Who which, which yeah. senator? <laughs> oh man, yeah. That Justin Trudeau would pull out a banana and bite it through the peel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is true um let's jump to this bomb. video speaking of justin trudeau while we're on it former drama teacher justin trudeau said that he has some homework for canadians accusing his political rivals of amplifying not solving problems yeah they're riling up emotions and driving hatred and all that stuff with all the instability in the world Cal canada is actually doing relatively well let's watch trudeau share his beautiful insights i know these are uncertain times so I want to give each of you a little bit of homework as citizens. Whenever you hear a politician speak, ask yourself, are they trying to solve the problems we are facing? Or are they just trying to amplify the problems we are facing? That's the question to ask. Because I want to let you in on a secret. With all the instability in the world right now, Canada is actually doing relatively well. Lowest deficit, lowest debt to GDP ratio in the G7, third largest AAA rated economy in the world after the United States and Germany, great employment numbers, lower inflation than most. Of course, if a Canadian can't pay for their groceries or their mortgages, it doesn't matter that things are even worse elsewhere around the world. We have a lot of work to do, particularly on housing, on affordability, and on climate action. But fortunately for all of us, the solutions fit together. Because climate policy is social policy, is economic policy. Mm -hmm. We will get through these turbulent times. Gross. All policies are the same policies, and that is so. I almost, I'm gonna have a sip of an energy drink here to get me through that. It that was made my, the it made the inside of my ear feel weird listening to it with earbuds. Um, he's yeah. saying, you know, like housing and, and affordability and client and taking action on climate change or whatever. Taking action on climate change is the reason why housing and affordability <laughs> are unavailable for a lot of people um he's worried about other politicians amplifying the problems they're just shining a light on the problems that you made justin yeah. trudeau yeah you're not fixing them so they're like hey look at this big problem justin trudeau made he's like quit quit telling every people i'm doing everybody i'm doing a bad job that was the gist of what we saw there well and he's like like they're amplifying problems he's like Next time, next time you see a politician, I want you to say, are they creating problems like a carbon tax that then they're going to carve out solutions for, for select areas that they're worried about winning votes in? Like anyone in, in Atlantic Canada, for example, who's like, oh, I'll vote liberal, they cause, they, they, it's like me beating you up and then giving you a Band-Aid. Like it, it's just the, yeah. the, the cognitive dissonance. But this guy, he's still like, oh, we're just sunny ways and positivity and these guys are all negative. It's like, no, they're pointing out like serious problems. And he's like, and on the plus side, Canada isn't, because of the fighting resilient spirit and the working class attitude of Canadians, it isn't quite as bad in Canada as it is other places. We're the least worst off. Well, the fact that we're even close to them, like look at last time there was a massive economic 
uh, crash when Harper was in, Canada basically had like a speed bump through this Canada action plan and good policies. We're able to weather that. Canada would be doing relatively fine if not for this government, much better, in fact, if not for this federal government. Most of the major issues, inflation, affordability, uh, housing access, uh, mass immigration that's overwhelming the capacity to access housing, foreign governments, foreign uh, nationals like Chinese nationals buying out all the properties and not even living in them with inflated foreign currencies. Like the, All of these problems are problems that could be fixed by a not even good, but just a somewhat competent federal government. But the majority of these problems are caused by Justin Trudeau. They didn't exist prior to this liberal government. It's, they are unprecedented times right now in Canada, and it's because of this government. I don't know how the opposition party can amplify, as in make the current problems worse. They're not in power. They're not yeah. setting policy. So if things are being done that are like tangibly to make these problems worse. I don't know, like hiking the carbon tax in an inflationary and housing crisis. That's yeah. being done by the liberals. The liberals are amplifying the problems the liberals created and being enabled along the way by the NDP. Yep, 100%. Absolutely surreal. Um, in another surreal front, another one of the fronts that's being pushed or at least uh, accommodated by liberals and liberal voters Let's jump to this video from the teacher in Ontario reading uh, a genocidal oh, poem and her matching yes. jumper. Let's 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 play this clip here. I want to read something to you. When did you write this? Right now. It's really nice. Okay. From the river to the sea, Palestine should be free. From our hearts and above, Palestine should be loved. From the sky to space, there should be no struggles Palestinians should face. From the ocean to below, Palestine should be known. From the soil to the sand, Israel should be banned. From the grass to the trees, Palestine should be seen. Wow. That was a really good poem. I want to read... The ch it sounds like a child. I, I just wrote it right now. Like, what, what grade is this? What is happening? This also, like, this looks like an UNRWA school, like the UN yeah. agency dedicated to uh, Palestinian refugees, which aren't not refugees at all anymore after yeah. you've been there for three generations. That's just a neighborhood. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, this look, this seems like something that could have been in one of those UN schools that acted as a funnel to terrorism, the kind that have the weapons caches underneath, um, yeah. where they stage the... Uh, the little plays where you capture the Jew and then take him back and parade him through the streets and beat him with a stick that they get all the little kids to do that. Uh, those uh, plays this yeah. uh, like, this is in Tr what, Ontario, Toronto, maybe probably, yeah, but this could be like picked up and put right in Gaza city. And uh, yeah. I wouldn't notice the tangible difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like the equivalent, it, it, like, and imagine if there was a video where it's like some Catholic school and a Catholic teacher is like, drown the pagans in the Tiber. <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah. people would be going absolutely like, like, uh, for example, a, a school board trustee or a, a UCP candidate could say like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if we have really good grades, because if people are hurting themselves because of ra radical ideology, that's poop in the brownies. 
Like that yeah. ended a career and turned into an inter international scandal. But a poem pretty much clearly not written by a child being read to children with a genocidal slogan about banning a nation and getting rid of its people. Ugh, yeah. This should be the biggest mm -hmm. story in Canada today. It's insane. Yeah, but it, the, the teacher's union, by the way, if that lady gets in trouble, uh, I don't know. You'd have to have a pretty stable-minded administration to consider giving her trouble. And as we know, that's probably not the case. Um, but if she did get in trouble, the teachers union would uh, circle the wagons and she would be perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. That is very likely. Uh, we've got a chat on this as well. So let's hop on that. $5 from memory whole uh, Hamas preventing civilian evacuation from Gaza shooting people trying to flee according to this IDF audio clip it is linked there pretty easy to find online from the Christian post but yeah that that we do know that things like That's that true. absolutely happen people trying to leave are not allowed to leave um, particularly when they're being forced to stay at hospital sites or schools or places where there's tunnels underneath that have weapons caches there they don't like people leaving those areas because that's how you get those heartbreaking videos of, of people being harmed well yeah that's 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 par for the course some of them are us. fake too by the way we went through yeah. that yesterday with that yeah. one guy who like stars in all of the Hollywood propaganda um but yeah, yeah uh, the, the idf has been sending text messages into gaza to civilian phones sort of going around the hamas government because the hamas government is telling people stay in place um, sort yeah. of like what the um, Japanese emperor said for people to do when the Americans were telling them, we are going to bomb cities on the coast. And the yeah. emperor thought, ah, no, just stay where you are. And then they I, they either won't bomb us or there will be civilian casualties and it will turn the tide against uh, the allies. Yeah. Well, neither one of those things ended up to be true. Um, we yeah. see Hamas doing the exact same thing. Um, yeah. telling people to stay in place, even though Israel is telling them, go south. We are yeah. starting an incursion from the north, go south. And the Hamas government, because they realize that, um, you know, the civilized world values civilians in a way yeah. that uh, the Hamas uncivilized barbarians. realizes uh, it too? Yeah. 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 Um, you know what you know, really grinds my gear, Sheila? When some uneducated pleb calls my chalet a cottage that just absolutely there's there's How nothing dare that they? really i mean it's <laughs> sickening the, the mere concept i mean i'm joke i wish i was joking that is the, to say that is insane but let's jump to this uh video clip from one of the guys from gs uh, strategies one of the middlemen from the arrive scan sort of scandal who really didn't do anything and we're shuffling funds around and probably pocketed a few million dollars. Um, but let's talk about this. Uh, he did not go to his cottage. Let's, let's be clear. Let's watch. The How video. dare you. Knew whether or not Mr. Cameron McDonald from the CBSA had a cottage and you said, no. Do you want Mr. to reflect Mr. on that answer? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Um, McDonald has never referred to it as a cottage. It's a chalet. It's not a cottage. <laughs> Full for that clarification, <laughs> Mr. Firth. Are you kidding me? Knew whether or not. Larry Brock, that conservative MP, uh, best re reaction, like. Get thee to thy fainting couch. Somebody referred to your chalet yep. as a cottage. This is the best. 
Can we get a, a, a reaction like that for our Slack? Please oh, screenshot please. it. It's so good. We need good. a Larry Brock emoji <laughs> for the Slack This is channel. better than satire. Like we like the, we we riff on the Laurentian elite ad nauseum. It's it's a joke. The whole everyone has a chalet. Like normal people don't have chalets and cottages everywhere. Don't get me wrong, lots of people do, but it's not just like a norm. But in the Laurentian elite, well, of course, no, I don't have a cottage. I have a chalet at bare minimum. Otherwise, you're not really part of this group, are you? I don't think we could write satire like this. Oh, I didn't understand the question. A, a cottage. Oh, no, no, no. We'd never be at a cottage. A chalet, of course. Like, this is this is like Mark Twain level comedy, you, but it's real life. You know what? This, and I'm gonna just reveal how aged and decrepit I am by making this reference. And Adam, you were probably just a hatchling when this happened. But this reminds me of AHS CEO, Stephen Duckett. In 2010, he was the guy who was like, I can't, it was like, an, I think it was an AHS spending scandal. Um, and yeah. he said to reporters who were trying to ask him questions about this, and he makes a gazillion dollars a year, because like three times what the premier makes. And he said, I'm sorry right now, I'm trying to finish my cookie. And he walked yeah. away and he told that to reporters. This feels like Stephen Duckett, the cookie monster completely. Yeah. Just an absolute sense of, of entitlement. Yeah. <laughs> that was at least semi-funny. This is just like, that was like, 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 I don't know. This is like a dystopic, like. Stephen Duckett lost more... his job over it. He lost yeah. his job over oh, how yeah. pretentious that sounded. Well, and that used to that used to be the case. Like there would be a an eighty thousand dollars spending scandal, and Paul Martin would be done for. There'd be, uh, I mean, believe if you spent twenty bucks on orange juice, there'd be a, some sort of inquiry. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 level of political, and this is honestly, I'm hoping it's going to recover. I don't know how it can. There's always silliness in Ottawa. There's always silliness in politics. But the level to which that the Ottawa under Justin Trudeau has become just like an absolute cesspool. I'm going to say it's swamp of like no accountability, absurd, like and arrive, arrive. It's perfect that this is a rive scam um, related because that's the crux of it. A bunch of middlemen giving middlemen contracts for their buddies. That's how they afford these cottages is 50 people along the way get paid what was it? I think they spent fifty-four million dollars on a Rive can, and I, and a yeah. company recreated it for like fifty grand or something in a day. No, they did. Yeah, they did it over the weekend for next yeah. to nothing for a pittance. Yeah. And I think the hacked version of a Rive can probably worked better than the real Rive yeah. can, um, because it was nothing but people getting tickets because a Rive can didn't work properly for them, getting yeah. frustrated. And I remember, I think when I was coming back from Geneva. Uh, I think the airport officials were so fed up with the can. They're like, did you, did you fill out a can?" I was like, yep. And they didn't even care. They're just like, okay, keep going. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> it was like a herd of people in uh, Trudeau airport in Montreal. And there's the guy like, Hey, did you fill out a can?" I'm like, yep. He's like, just keep moving. Yeah. Like nobody cared anymore. And $54 and million. Dollars, and these guys are buying chalets. And this is like, this is not a one-off. This is business as usual. Like when you hear like $250,000 oh, yeah. to design a cover page or millions to reorganize the passport, it's all just friends and friends giving each other seven middlemen contracts, paying each other off. This is where almost all of our money goes to. There's nothing inherently wrong with government 
and bureaucracy that makes things go. But <laughs> just wait. But in it's like communism. It looks good on paper. It doesn't really. But um, but the problem is, is this is what inevitably happens. Some sort of government helping and keeping things in order. That's not what this is about, though. This is a completely different animal. This is what happens every time you have increased government. It's just they can pass the buck along. They can hire middlemen. They can contract out. Um, the amount of like the, the renovations that they're talking about, 41 million or whatever for 24 Sussex, uh, independent people have been like, it's like 2 million tops. I don't know what they're talking about. This is, this is where your tax money goes ultimately. $8 million barn for yeah. the governor general. And I'm like, I'm a farmer. I know how much barn costs. And I, I look at the, the building. And I was like, that's just a steel quantity. Like, yeah. what on earth? And they're like, oh, but Sheila, it's got solar panels on the top. And I'm like, okay, so you wasted money on solar panels in Ottawa. Um, and then uh, I'm How doing much do solar Ottawa. panels cost? Not 8 million. Not 8 million either. Yeah. But maybe they factored into having someone to go up there and sweep them off all the time. Um, <laughs> and And maybe they factored the remediation of the land yeah. after these things inevitably break and leak and make the soil toxic. I don't know. But I we when after we published that story there, we got a, an angry email from someone from the governor general's office who was like, we didn't make this decision. Okay, but you also didn't say no. Yeah. <laughs> did you like when someone's like, like we're actually gonna build a it's barn. A <laughs> actually it's not a barn it's a utility building or something yeah oh, yeah something else anyway um hopping over to some uh news from the montreal gazette uh, mcgill says quebec tuition hikes could cost 94 million lead to 700 job cuts i don't have a lot of sympathy for major institutions but what i do have a problem with is uh people being treated differently based on the language that they speak uh, and quebec yeah. is effectively skyrocketing tuition costs for english speakers because they don't like the fact that there's high quality english well relatively high quality english institutions there so students from elsewhere in canada will see their annual tuition jump uh from 8992 to about $17,000 cuz cuz of course, the education is unaffordable. Inflation is so bad. Now, if you're an English speaker visiting Quebec for your education, your education is going to cost you uh, twice as much. I don't know. Send your kid to trade school. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Like my daughter is 17. She's shopping universities or rather universities are shopping her. And yeah. uh, she's just like, I want to build refineries. That's all I want to do. Like I want to have... And like possibly on the engineering side, but she's like, I want to graduate with like tangible skills and not take feminist basket weaving and its cultural impact on, I don't know, modern dystopia. Like it's just that uh, these universities are getting increasingly expensive and graduating increasingly unemployable people who are not resilient to the challenges of the world. I don't know. I think it was Matt Walsh. You know, like, I don't know if you pay attention to Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire. I think you do yeah. as a fellow Catholic. But um, yeah. he was reviewing this TikTok. <clears throat> Sometimes his producers send him uh, left-wing TikToks of yeah. people. And it was this girl crying because she has to work a job. She was like, yeah. nobody told me that I would I would have so little free time because she <laughs> works. like She doesn't have kids. 
So yeah. I think she works like eight to five or something. And <clears> then she has to commute home <throat> and she has to commute there. Okay. But you live in town. Like I have a, if I lived in town, I'd have like an hour commute also on the highway every day. Thank God my yeah. commute is like 12 stairs. Um, yeah. <laughs> but she, she was like in tears because she's like, where is all my free time? Because I have to work to pay the bills. And what is wrong with society? And it's like, get home at six. Let's say you go to bed at 10. You don't have any children. You live alone. That's actually a fair bit of free time. Four hours of free time every day. I wish, sister. Um, but she yeah. was in tears about this. And that's the product of the university system right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The entitlement and no applicable skills. And it's sad to see because like, like what has become of the humanities and liberal arts, the intention used to be to be a critical thinker and to be one of right. the people who reshapes societies and, and changes things. I think sometimes despite my liberal arts education, uh, I'm, I, I, I actually read the materials instead of just listening to the professor and managed to form a different opinion. But I mean, Education for education's sake matters and improving yourself as an individual matters, but these have become institutions of indoctrination. They are no longer about giving yourself the capacity to think critically or uh, about, like, I mean, in another instance, it'd be, it's far more directly correlated when it's a trades job because you're, you're yeah. learning direct skills. But the institutions that teach you sort of how to think, how to be critical, they've, they, they haven't they haven't taught you to be critical. They've taught you literally exclusively how to think in a unilateral and, and non-critical fashion. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see. I don't have a lot of sympathy for these groups, but I do have people. Like, let's say your whole dream has been to go to McGill and you've planned all this time. You've done your school. You're getting in. And just because you're an English speaker now, your tuition's doubled. That's, yes. that's problematic. Um, we'll do another chat here before we get to our last story. And then I have to go to this UCP AGM. Um, yeah. From Memory Hole, another $5. Greatly appreciated uh, your your insight and your uh, support today. Uh, liberal history may not repeat, but it sure does rhyme. You know, this story, it's a link to a story about when uh, one of Paul Martin's top people uh, suggested that Harper Daycare Bucks would go to buying beer and popcorn instead of helping kids. This mentality, it's funny how far back you can look at it, that parents don't care about their children as much as the government does. No same coherent person can believe that a bunch of activist liberal progressives who don't have kids can almost certainly believe that uh but that the the in the, the commentary that history repeats itself we're seeing it again now to a more dangerous degree than ever but uh absolutely a, a relevant comment there so thanks for that memory uh, any thoughts on that sheila no i, I remember that uh completely yeah. uh stephen harper basically said uh we're not doing a national daycare program because we don't we're not shoehorning parents into a system they don't want to be in the yeah. you know like childcare is a decision best made at home is it mom who stays home is it grandma that you're paying is it a auntie uncle the neighbor lady a day home institutional daycare it's up for to you to decide right. so we're going to give you this money and you decide which is exactly the opposite of what the liberals are doing uh they mm -hmm. have a national daycare strategy which involves institutional daycare um, a lot of it is uh, YWCA. Poems from the from the video. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And YWCA led largely. So what does that tell you? They're the leaders in uh, this weird gender radicalization, and they've yeah. put the, the liberals have basically put them in charge of the national daycare strategy, which should horrify any parent. And by the way, they administer daycare um, to the vulnerable uh, socioeconomic. Uh, groups so 
Um, these are parents who are working long hours, trying to keep their heads above water, thinking their kids are getting quality daycare from the likes of the YWCA, and instead their kids are getting infected with gender ideology. Yeah. Um, but I remember this distinctly. It was the, it was the classism I've always felt from the liberals. And as Albertans, yeah. we are acutely attuned to that uh, because, you know, we make these these decisions for our families, we must be making them poorly. And uh, because this decision was made by a Western prime minister, that he must be virtue signaling and winking at these blue collar rednecks who don't take care of their kids but just blow their money on beer and popcorn and skidoos um yeah it's and shallow nothing new no nothing new under the sun nothing new under the sun same old liberals though there is something new under the sun alberta is forever (laughs) changed the rats are back i Uh, blame the people from saskatchewan who are Oh, I'll keep it to myself. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> recycling is to blame, of course. Um, so yes. uh, two recycling facilities. And apparently what they're suggesting here is that the nature of these recycling industries, I mean, it's interesting, not that long ago, uh, I was doing a story about catalytic converters and uh, they shared with me some details about a recycling plant that was opened as a bottle depot and they're actually buying pre-recycled, already recycled aluminum cans from Europe in bulk and then processing them as bottle deposits. And they made like $1.3 million anyways. Uh, it's a whole industry recycling in its own right. But um, so what happens is lots of metals and materials get shipped around. Um, so it would seem that in, likely in some of those shipping arrangements, um, rats manage to sneak in and uh, they basically live off the crumbs and food and liquid and whatever the nastiness at the bottom of your recycling bin, should you choose to recycle. Um, but two Calgary recycling facilities um, have these uh, rats uh rat situations emerged now the thing for me is they're they're saying that the reason we don't have uh, rats is because there was a very strong sort of campaign to counteract them what's wild now though is there the authorities are saying that they're not too concerned about departure and the rats leaving because there's tons of resources there but they're monitoring the situation no like, wh- burn the place what down. are you doing <laughs> burn it down well, yeah <laughs> salt yeah. the burn it down push it over salt the earth Build a concrete sarcophagus over it. What Chernobyl. are we doing? Yes, Chernobyl-style yeah. sarcophagus. This yeah. is crazy. Initially, I had blamed uh, Medicine Hat and uh, the people who uh, from Saskatchewan bring their garbage to the Medicine Hat dump. We do have rat outbreaks there from time to time. It's quickly contained. Um, but normally, I do blame our friends in Ratland, Saskatchewan, for these sorts yeah. of things. But apparently, these things are homegrown um and uh i have no tolerance for this we have been known forever as norway rat free we must gain that status back i will not stand for this i think we need a controlled burn down at this recycling plant and by the way this hangs squarely on the neck of the uh city of calgary who routinely don't do anything with the recycling. They tell you you have to put your recycling in these bins and then they don't know what to do with them. So then they take them to these storage facilities where there are just acres of sea cans full of plastic salad containers, I suspect. Because yeah. I don't recycle. I burn everything. Oh, and you know who doesn't have rats? This girl. Um, so anyways, thank the city for forcing those recycling programs on you because 
Thank now you have rats. I'm out there burning garbage in an incinerator doing my part to keep this province rat free. You're welcome. I really hope that this government comes up with new like there there's some in the article there. I don't know if you can scroll down to it, but the like wartime propaganda about rats. Oh. Like the 50s they're so good. The government needs to put out a new one and go deal with this yeah, directly. Keep Alberta that, rat free. Exactly. Yeah. If the UCP manages to make Alberta rat free again, um, that'll be the biggest feather in their cap. Uh, so that'll be that'll be something else. But yeah, uh, a, a point of pride fallen. Um, I'm going to blame Justin Trudeau and those who advocate for recycling. There it is. Look at that yeah. beautiful poster. That environmentalists is environmentalists bringing back the plague. <laughs> Good yeah. job, environmentalists. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks hippies, for the bubonic yeah. plague. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Uh, it has been a fun one. On that note, though, we are a little bit over, and the UCP AGM is starting soon. Folks, if you're going to be there, you probably are. I think there's like thousands of people expected to come yeah. more than double the last one. Um, come say hi. Don't be shy. We'll be around. Uh, looking forward to it and uh, to the MLAs, uh, UCP MLAs who will be there. Looking forward to chatting with you as well. I'm sure people are interested in what you have to say. Sheila, any final thoughts for the folks? No, just thanks to everybody who works behind the scenes in the office in Toronto and across the country to make sure the show is ready and as professional looking as possible when people want to click on it. Thanks to everybody who chipped in a little bit to keep the lights on. Thanks to everybody who tunes in regularly. We value every set of your eyeballs. And Adam, thanks for leading the show because I was not prepared, but I think I'm happy to do it. You know what? If I didn't tell anybody, I think people probably couldn't have been able to tell well we know you're prepared it's all part of the act sheila um one final chat just came in once again from memory hole five bucks really appreciate it the rats are back in alberta for a minute there i thought the ndp were in power again fortunately it's the cute furry types don't call them cute around sheila (laughs) but i really appreciate that (laughs) as always i want to thank everyone so much for tuning in for rebel news i'm adam sos so but what i'm concerned about how deep they're involved with the public sector unions, like Fred Hahn, that's an anti-Semite, by the way, that's donating money to you, order, donating money to you to the maximum amount. What do you owe? What what do you owe Fred Hahn? That's my question. Extra deals, backroom deals, giving you more money? You know, but again, I'll tell you one thing. He, he supports Hamas. You know he does. He said it publicly. He's disgusting as far as I'm concerned. And he's a supporter of your order. Stop the clock.